Everybody and welcome to episode 341 of the Siren Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my frozen co-hosts, Peter and Jake. Yeah, it certainly is cold up here, uh, Kurt. And that's why this edition of the cast is the pink text on green background edition of the cast. <laughs> Nothing will get you more heated than wa- than looking at such... Such a travesty of graphic design. Just picture it. I can. Any text. I see it. Hot pink I on a green background. I see it in my head, and the thing about it is that I think I've seen it on a commercial product. Probably. Something from the something from the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. But. I like it, though. Kind of gives <laughs> a little bit of pop. Kind of gives it that like old-school 2008... Uh, I just did my project last night, and I had to throw together a quick PowerPoint. Y'all, y'all remember that first PowerPoint where you were so drunk on on the power <laughs> yeah. of PowerPoint, and every slide was a new transition and a new background, and like sound effects as the bullets came in. Yeah, you you got you could mess around with uh, PowerPoint, and then you get to like a a grown up class, and you learn that. You should never put any of that stuff in your presentation. <laughs> it should just no, be pretty sir. much all always white background, black text. Now that <laughs> the I'm the most boring shit ever. But now that I'm in the industry, uh, I always look for that. Like the people who like take the effort, and I'm like, you, you spent program money to make sure there were transitions and like bouncing text into your presentation, didn't you? you I had. Good? I had a high school teacher. It was a college class. It was computer integrated manufacturing. Um, but I took it in high school. And uh Mr. Mars was was the teacher. Ooh. And uh he called it Rainbow Word Art and hated it with a passion. <laughs> was this Mars like the bars or this was the Mars is in the bill? Did he have any bars with him? Like, did he drop some bars? And he'd be like, damn, Mars, you no, got but he some had this, bars. He had this weird fucking uh, paper airplane design. It was like a ring. He called it the Mars ring. I was like, that Mars doesn't have rings. <laughs> that we know of. No, I'm pretty sure we've... <laughs> <laughs> we've seen was... Mars from most of the angles that you can see it from. <laughs> There was another planet you've that, like... You've never seen Mars. You don't know what it looks like. Yeah, have you been there? Personally, no, but the rover has. Another planet that has rings. There was another planet that I think um, has rings in our solar Neptune system. Neptune has rings. Oh, is Neptune the one that has? Jupiter has rings, I think. They have very... Yes. They're very quiet. <laughs> they're visually quiet. Otherwise known as not very visible. Whoa, this picture of Earth makes me think that it has rings. Are we sure that the Earth doesn't have rings? I mean, it's, got one, it's got one ring. The, Why does Earth To have rule rings? them all. To rule them all, yeah. Which planet have one? rings? Nope, just Saturn. Only Saturn. No, no one else in the universe. Doesn't happen. Damn it, I'm trying to find it. Anyways, we're coming at you live from... Arendale, 
Yep. We're frozen. We watched Frozen 2 this week. Um, and we're coming at you with a chilly burr episode because ice. The theme is ice, and the magic word is freeze. And if you hear us say freeze at any point during this uh, podcast, you just got to get up out of your chair and go, ah! That's every time. Yep. Uh, We're obviously doing Frozen this week because of the sad news of Adina Menzel's passing. Rest (laughs) in peace. Um. I'm happy that the cat did not show up. <laughs> there's, there's a cat. There's a cat? In my house now. You got a cat now? Jeez. Um, yeah. I got to get a cat and a woman. And so he needs a bat. Fucking and a man. shit everywhere. Um, yeah, nice. so Nothing sad sad news last week. Um, Kevin Conroy, uh, voice of Batman and pretty much every animated DC work that's any good um, mm-hmm. passed away uh, really awesome dude we'll we'll talk more about his uh, career in general in our feature um, because uh, we watched Batman Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero yeah. which uh, is a interesting movie yep. uh, Batman's not in it a whole lot but no uh, and it, so it's not it's not the most uh, acclaimed of of uh, it's not the well, animated Batman works, but we've covered a lot of everything else. Yeah. So we're we're kind of closing the loop on this. It's one. actually reviewed like the critic score is pretty high on it. The audience score is a bit meh, but I think that it's largely to do with uh, the relative lack of Batman. Yeah. Yeah, not a, Batman's not, a ton not of... in the room. Everyone should be saying, "Where's Batman?" I wonder what he's doing right now. I, want... I bet he's skulking somewhere. I want to see Batman. I showed up to a Batman movie and I got Robin and Babs for thirty minutes. It's, doing I think I mean shit. it's a pretty good movie. I, I I'm not saying that I didn't like it. I I did enjoy it. Um, you know, the I, got, we... I would agree with anyone who said that, you know, Mask of the Phantasm is better. Um, and had we not already reviewed that, uh, we would have considered that as we would have also considered uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Had we not already reviewed that. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, might be noticing a trend. <laughs> yeah. So I guess this is this is the shout out. Go watch our other reviews of other Batman movies. They're out there. They're yes. waiting for you to fucking to just get in there with your eyeballs and your earballs. Your earballs ear mostly. We didn't have the video uh, mm-hmm. format at that time. Yeah. This. Uh, yeah. I, I, it was a good. It was a good plot. Uh, fantastical, but at the same time, I, I will go into this probably a little more when we get to the review something that i feel could could happen in the era of our lord 2022 it's the scenario is strangely plausible yeah i have some i have some things i have very com- i have some complimentary things to say of this movie um in comparison to uh other batman movies that i've released in recent years um, but we will we will get into all that at the appropriate time. First, we must watch some trailers. 
on Trey Watch, our weekly trailer review and roundup segment. There were a lot of them this week, but we culled it down to the, the very best. I'm sorry that we won't be getting to something from Tiffany's. The Tiffany's commercial where they buy the jewelry from Tiffany. It's either, I mean, the pessimistic, in the worst case scenario, it's a uh, Tiffany's advertisement. In a similarly bad scenario, it is some sort of spiritual successor to breakfast at Tiffany's. It could be both. <laughs> and uh, we won't ever know. Because we're getting nothing from Tiffany's. No. We're going to go have one last dance with Magic Mike. All right. Not, not exactly where I thought we were going with that. But yeah. Um, Channing Tatum is uh, involved looking with a woman sexy. 14 years his senior. Looking sexy, sexy, sexy in the rain. Boy, oh boy, their water budget must have been wild. Yeah. In this thrilling conclusion to the epic saga, Magic Mike must finally find the last Deathly Hollow and face his worst enemy. So I've never seen Voldemort. one of the Magic Mike movies, but I have heard that they are actually like pretty decently constructed movies uh, beneath the veneer of... Um, the con- the conceit male exotic dancing yeah I'm I'm trying yeah. to remember I I know I've seen Magic Mike one you said- um I I think it was something along the lines of like it was about like them running the business him down in his luck and like trying it out and then they had all these dance numbers and it was more like a choreographed dance than anything and then there was some dramatic parts of like running the business and um. Him balancing his work life. I and I don't know. Life. That was you're saying that was the original Magic Mike. That was the first one. Yeah. Okay. I think it has since then jumped the shark with uh, well, XXL and now his last dance, which now it's like a full stage performance. That's a six point one out of ten on IMDb. Um, the OG Magic Mike. At least. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad for the theater workers that are going to come in and have to mop the floors and replace the seat cushions. Um, I mean, it's nothing that fucking uh, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark hasn't had to deal with. Yeah, Bring me the shoes! Lots of web shooting there, and there's going to be a lot of web shooting here, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, if you liked the first two, I would assume that you'll probably find something enjoyable in this one. Like, is it me? Or is this... I'm gonna make make a reach. Now, I'm not known for reaching. But I'm gonna make an exception here. That this movie is more like the Muppets movie than you might think at first glance. The original Muppet movie? No, the reboot. All right, I'll oh, take the bait. Okay. Huh? It's I I kind of one they've got one last it. chance and they have to make the big performance and the whole movie is about preparing the performance, getting ready at the end of the movie you get to see the thing in full. It's a cl- it's a yeah. classic structure. There's yeah. I 
Channing Tatum, he really looked at the classics for this one. Now I want to watch Muppets Take Manhattan. Hmm? I want to watch Muppets Take Manhattan now. Hey, when? wait, when did that come out? 87, I think. Shit. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's snuck in on 1990 here. Let me look it up. Muppets. Uh, this is this is. I'll do this here instead of at the end. Um, we are in a couple weeks coming up on 90s winter. Um, we will have we will prepare our picks soon mm-hmm. and have them for you. 1984. Oh, damn, <laughs> damn, that's that's dystopian. Muppets from Space, however, 1999. Hulk Hogan's in that one. Ooh. Gonzo. Um, his magic mic. Is Channing Tatum a Muppet? I don't know. You know what? I think he would be actually a pretty good actor for a Muppets movie. I, yeah, as like one of the the uh, the human co-hosts. I Now I'm going to look up Channing Tatum... As a Muppet. I could have seen him, you know, on the, the Muppets series that they canceled back in 2015. I could have seen him being mm-hmm. a, a guest on the, the talk show and being pretty good in that role. Yeah. That, no, that's not Channing Tatum as a Muppet. Don't even lie to me like that. I can't wait to pick out just No, the it turns out movie. such an outlandish idea, you know, might not have gotten any traction. Well, go to the... the uh, Get to the fucking AI uh, generated oh, image. Yeah. Thing. Um AI generate image. Well, we talk about elemental, baby. Oh yeah. Let's Pixar serve us up a hot Disney doozy of animation. One hundred. Um I I don't know. This this I feel like Pixar is kinda out of truly fresh ideas and it's just like taking elements from their past uh, movies uh, and and putting them together because this feels a little like soul feels a little like inside out yeah yeah they're they're definitely um taking a lot of inspiration from the past works um i think the thing that maybe they're gonna try to like push is like they're hey look at this look how good it is is more just the quality of animation with all the moving effects and like not have like you, you see the yeah. fire girl be like constantly moving as she's just standing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's okay. a lot of stuff that goes into that. And you know, the guy's like undulating cause he's a water form. Um, now these are not like the elementals that you're going to find on your magic, the gathering cards kids. Yeah. Wh- when does um, Omnath show up in this yeah. movie? Maybe at the end of the movie, they'll have to calm Omnath back into his his slumber. His mono-green Omnath. You find out this elemental city is actually on the plane of Zendikar, and we're we're just terraforming this fucking world from the elves. Uh, That'd be be a twist I'd like. I'd like... uh... Remember when OG Zendikar had racist elves? Oh, that was best, man. Remember when... Yeah. Writers were were allowed to, you know, (laughs) make characters with unsavorably characteristics. Yeah. Well, I will say again, uh, go go read the Brothers War story. It's it's not bad. Um, I will say about this movie, 
Like, Strange World isn't even out yet, and they're already fucking shooting trailers out for So this. they kind of do... I I know they alternate. Like, some some of them are released under the Disney banner. Some of them are released under the Pixar. I mean, Pixar, I'm sure, is a big enough studio at this point that they have teams working on movies in parallel. Didn't you know Strange World is canceled? Come on. Unlaunched, like the 4080, uh, 10 gig or whatever, 12 gig. Um, Strange World got into some uh, hot water for having its first openly queer main character. I guess that little black kid is Wasn't gay or the, something. The fucking chick in Lightyear. That gay? wasn't enough. That was that was too subtle. That was too subtle. They had to really nail it home. That had that was too background of a character. They had to take the uh, passive progressive down. Wasn't the fucking, fucking guy much. from Jungle Cruise gay? No, still too subtle. I think he didn't so. even he didn't you didn't see penetration. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that one was subtle enough that they could edit it out to yeah. release in China. Yeah. This is like the main character is like maybe openly queer. But I don't really know how he is because we haven't seen anything from the fucking trailers. So like, is he really? And I'm I'm just I'm just expecting some bullshit. Like he's like gonna see old. now if they are really bold, he's gonna see like some weird fucking alien goo monster and be like, "Hey yo, yo hey yo, looking kind of fucking thick over there, Goopy. Hey, want to slide over here to my you know." Genitalia. What kind of what kind of parts are you working with over there, Goop? I'm sure this Blob. will be in this family friendly <laughs> Disney. The, movie. That's gonna be like the fucking scene from uh, Monsters vs. Aliens, where uh, Seth Rogen is the blob. He walks by with like his his Jello girlfriend, and he's like he's like shaking it in uh, in whoever else's face. Let me see if I can't find that. I just don't know where they got it from, though. So it just seems like it's like a behind-the-scenes, like, someone just was like, yeah, I mean, he doesn't really do anything gay, but I guess he's a gay. Well, it was like <laughs> fucking, uh, um, in the 2017 Power Rangers movie, uh, the Yellow Ranger was gay, and the only, like, line of dialogue to support that was, uh... <laughs> one line around the campfire that didn't even say that she had <laughs> look and, and i'm not gonna lie like it's kind of silly that we're just now getting upset over this uh, some people are just getting upset we should have we. been upset long ago <laughs> no because this shit's been around forever there's been like queer coded characters in disney movies you had ursula was, was which was like based off of a drag queen you had queer coded bitches and queens and kings all over the place no jake there's never been anything progressive before the zoomers came along you're telling me scar (laughs) couldn't hold his own on rupaul's drag race he would be a judge well yeah scar was very uh effeminate yeah well i wouldn't say effeminate but well like the bitchy gay i don't know (laughs) yeah he is jeremy irons gay i don't think so uh, this is so it should be mentioned that like this was a big sticking point for a lot of people that like the, all those things we just mentioned, those were also all villains. And oh, yeah. 
and the gay villain thing is a trope that goes back to like the 40s. Well, sometimes they kind of be feeling like But they're also like I would argue more beloved characters than even yeah. the heroes well, they were opposite. They've become they've become adopted as a symbol of counterculture uh for that kind of reason that they haven't that uh queer and gay characters haven't been placed as like yeah explicit good guys no jeremy for a long time irons is uh happily married with several children yeah maybe he's so he's probably so closeted though i mean right? i mean ellen john did marry and have a child as well so it happens yeah well, well i mean while i guess while we're on the subject you want to you want to know subject who, of gays or subject of Elton John? <laughs> subject yeah. of the gays, because we should mention this does tie this. I am tying this back into the feature. Uh, Kevin Conroy uh, was gay, and he was a big champion for LGBT rights. Oh, was he really? LGBT. I did not know yeah. that about him. Is that why he, Kevin? I'm sure he I... kept it very low key, but I, I I learned that when I was looking to him. He's actually survived by his husband. Uh, I don't know his name right now. I, I thought it was just one of those like dumb like rumors, like people questioning or whatever. Um, Vaughn, because Vaughn as soon as I typed C. in Kevin Williams. Conroy on Twitter, like the auto auto uh, complete was Kevin yep. Conroy gay. It uh, like, yeah, it uh, checks out. Um, yeah, that's. I know that he did a lot of. Um, work for uh post 9-11 relief he did a lot of volunteer work in uh, uh soup kitchens feeding first responders and, and people who were displaced by uh the attacks i want i really hope that kevin conroy served steve buscemi soup in one of those kitchens i i think it'd be worth maybe looking into as much as i i think we all despise cw um they did actually cast him as Bruce Wayne, uh, so we can the first live action role that Kevin Conroy got as Bruce Wayne as was Bruce in the Wayne. CW. Now I'm, I'm just kind of like a little timid was it about for it. Batwoman. God, I no, hope not. <laughs> no, I think it was. Um, fuck, what was he in? I don't think he was an Arrow or anything. Could have been. Flash. Uh, I'm looking at the filmography. Yeah, I was gonna look that up. Television. Do, oh do, yeah, do. I guess he wasn't Batwoman. Yeah, one episode. Oh, he was in Christ, like a Crisis. Oh, the on Crisis Infinite. on Infinite Earths Part Two. Oh, where they crossed over all the CW shows. Oh Jesus! Oh my God, that must have been very cringe. Mm, your crossover is very cringe. Yeah, um, interesting. I guess I'll talk about it now since we're talking a little bit about his his outside career. Um, there was a television show called Wings, and Kevin Conroy and Tim Daly, who was the voice of Superman in Superman the Animated Series, were both on that show. Wow. Uh, Conroy Wings. Oh, it oh, it? Ah, huh, sitcom. Yeah. Huh. I yeah. want to. I want to hear Kevin Conroy, Kevin 
comedy, Roy. It's not a bad show. It's 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 a sitcom of its era, for sure. But um, it it ran for ten seasons. People people liked it. I do see that um, there is a movie, um, uh, yeah, I guess TV movie in post production, relatively super, that is going to have him and uh, Mark Hamill and a bunch of other people. Uh, yeah, I did check out Mark Hamill's Twitter else. after I heard the news, and he he posted a couple very yeah. moving tributes. Um, but anyway, we have we have other things we have to talk about, unfortunately. Um, so that gaze. was Magic Mike's last dance. Was that what gaze. we were on? Eat yes. your heart out. Okay. Yes, in fact. Um, yeah, Kurt, what, what are we doing next? I don't know. Fucking. Um, oh, maybe we're talking about Elemental. That's probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Elemental. Yeah. Um, we're like tying them together. Like elements that they can't, they can't touch. They're putting them on, putting them inside the same room like Willem Dafoe. <laughs> on the inside um, I'm glad someone saw the scenes in uh, No Way Home with uh, Willem Dafoe arguing with the Green Goblin and said let's make a whole movie like that <laughs> <laughs> I I appreciate that they took you know that focus features and whoever directed this yeah v- Vasilis Katsupis uh, Katsupis he he was watching Red Letter Media one day, and he heard them pitching their their made up uh, horror movie, and they called it Inside. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, I found it. That's the name for the movie." Um, yeah, this is gonna be, I, you know, for a bottle movie, I feel like this is gonna be more expensive than you'd think, and so like in terms of pure financials, I hope it does well. I hope it does well, but I'm just. Um, I don't know. I, Willem Dafoe's at this point in his career where, uh, if there's a a project that he likes, he might just like work for the standard rate. I know Tom Hanks has done that on a number of his last movies, like Greyhound. He made the same money as his co-stars, pretty much. Hmm. And uh, I mean, this seems like something he'd. Seems like he chose this role because he liked it. I mean, it's very much in in the vein of his uh, more modern output. You just look at uh, him and fucking the Northman and the Lighthouse, the Lighthouse and yeah. the fucking um... yeah, there it is. The fucking they're quoting it in the comments. How long have we been in this room? <laughs> Five weeks. Two days? Where are we? You're fond of me lobster, aren't you? I'd like to find the uh, IMDb page about this, but I can't seem to find it. It's bad luck to kill a seabird. Bad luck to kill a seabird. No look up Willem Dafoe. Um... Yeah, this uh, looks like a a neat project. So it's uh, a cool concept too. So I think what what is he? um, Is he? He's he's an art thief, and he gets he gets stuck in this penthouse after his heist goes awry, and he loses his shit. Yep, and the fucking twist that they called in the comments, and I'm 100 percent in on, is that he is the art. This is a big performance art installation where they trapped him in there. 
and he's his ironic punishment is he gets to become art. That'd be fucking wild, and it probably is the answer. But Kurt, you said he's he's stuck, and I just immediately left to the Auntie Donna <laughs> skit. Oh, I'm stuck. I'm stuck here. <laughs> Let me get a rope. Get you, get you out of there. Um, we get a lot of great scenes of him uh, drawing, um, talking to a pigeon, oh, eating he goes, a fish. He goes full Defoe here. Oh, yeah. Every kind of Defoe moment you've ever wanted, he pulls out of his bag of tricks. He pulls out Lighthouse Defoe. He pulls <laughs> like out when you Goblin see... Defoe. Like, you know it's going to be good when you see the man just, like, full-on licking a fridge. <laughs> just, yeah. just slurping all over that ice box. Yeah, it should be an interesting uh, interesting movie. I don't I don't know that I'm going to go out and, and see it in, in theaters um, unless I hear good things. Mm-hmm. Um, this seems more like a movie you watch at home kind of deal. Yeah. Yep. But it's going to be a good one for definitely a good one for him as he uh as he continues to age gracefully. Yeah, he just keeps keeps getting better, keeps working. He's uh he's a true thespian. Yes, yeah. Speaking well, he's of gay too? Huh? He's gay too? Sure, okay. Right. <laughs> Willem Dafoe has transcended the need for sexual <laughs> relations. <laughs> he gets off on he's himself. He's trans. He's transcended. <laughs> I think he's asexual. I think he just gets off with himself. He's like, yes, a film. Give me this good. Give. I don't need sex. No, honey. I don't need sex. I need a good film to do. If that's the case, that's that's a waste of a dong. It's <laughs> <laughs> a waste of of the 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 confusingly large dong of Willem. Hey, Dafoe. you guys want to hear something insane? Willem Dafoe's only 67 years old. Only? Come on. Dude, I... He's so... <laughs> he looks great. He looked... Yeah, have you... Y'all seen him with the drip, right? Y'all saw that video? Yes. It's so good. You've seen that one, right, Jake? With the drip? Yeah, look up Willem uh, Dafoe drip. I'm too busy looking up his penis. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no. I, I would have thought Willem Dafoe was, was quite a bit older. Than that. I would have thought he... I thought he was a age contemporary with, like, Christopher Walken. Oh yeah! Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember they had to like shrink his pee pee because uh, it was just it was showing too much distractingly large, too much dong. I think it's just maybe old and everything's loose. <laughs> He's got those tidy whities that make everything. It's got, it just shows it all. <laughs> There's no support. Oh, there. Here's a link that says Willem Dafoe's massive cock. Should I click on it? Yes. Go click on Willem Dafoe's massive cock. He uh, uh he married scared. a woman much younger than him. Twenty years younger. Half your length plus twenty, that's what they say, right? Here's a story from Sam Raimi. While shooting the first Spider Man movie, the plan was to have Willem in a spandex green goblin costume the resultant protuberance when in costume was gonna be a real distraction it would send more than your spidey sense a tingling believe me back then the cgi wasn't good enough to just 
paint the thing green and this, fix it in post production. This sounds so, <laughs> sounds very so, legit. <laughs> so we went with the exoskeleton costume you see in the movie just so he could hide his massive cock. For the sequel, we nearly went with Revenge of the Green Goblin with the tagline. If you try Goblin, this will also turn green. But marketing shut that one down pretty quick. <laughs> Those people have no sense of humor. <laughs> if you try Goblin, this you'll also turn green. <laughs> yeah. Um, I... I... <laughs> Seem to recall a different story <laughs> on the uh, director's commentary <laughs> I, of the first Spider-Man that. movie. That said Sam Raimi above it. I don't know. <laughs> yes, because Sam Raimi's never uh, made a joke before. <laughs> the internet's also never lied to me, so it's true. <laughs> you know what? But the internet can disappoint me. Yeah. It can disappoint me. Well, you know, maybe it's not the internet. Maybe it's just movies. Uh, Pats could also disappoint me. Uh, in 80, for Brady, what is this movie? Someone tell me. Um. Well, it is a waste of uh, some very talented women. <laughs> In the twilight it's, of their careers. It's where all the FTX marketing money went to. It's where all the FTX money is held up in. Yeah, I, I do. I uh, Tom Brady's listed as a producer on this movie, so yeah. he definitely embezzled some of that FTX money. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And this was probably when he was uh, still married to uh, uh, that woman. Uh, which I don't fucking remember. That lady. What's her name? Giselle. Giselle. I wanted to call her Gislaine, but I know that was not right. Um, uh, Giselle. Giselle. Um, Brady, and Tom Brady got some hot water over this FTX controversy, as they are, um, very high up on that pyramid. Uh, yeah, they're not the only athletes that be sued. Uh, David Ortiz and uh, Shohei Otani are also um, <laughs> named in the suit. The owner of FTX, I think, is hoping this is going to come out with uh, about a $8 billion cash payout, um, which I, I think is reasonable um, to try to recoup a lot of that money that they That's, you know, burned. That's only a little bit bigger than the market cap of some of the most profitable businesses in the world I, I think there was an interview with him recently that said he needed to make eight billion dollars in a few weeks and um okay i hear crypto is good for that it's never yeah. been never been more stable <laughs> never been buy bitcoin it's low right now it's taking the dip that we all need it'll shoot right back it's up gonna go right now. back up guys yeah don't worry it'll don't rebound worry. Stock market moves and you know ups and downs. We're just in a down. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, but actually, uh, this is all about um four uh elderly women who really love uh Tom Brady and the Patriots. Uh one of them really likes Gronk. Which I feel is they all want to go to the Super Bowl. You know, dementia is an ugly thing. And 
I think being a Patriots fan is a very early warning sign of dementia. There's a lot of elderly people who are like, I moved to the New England area after I made my small fortune in fucking over other people. And uh, now I love the Patriots for whatever reason because I'm a patriot to America. And you know all of these are like, well, for the sake of controversy, I won't specify, but you you know who they voted for in 2016 and 2020. With mail-in ballots, might I add. Um, uh, Gary Johnson? <laughs> yes! Because he wears jeans with a button-down. And that's very casual look for a man. No need for the suit and tie configuration. Uh, very upset that John Fetterman reverted is, back is, to that. Is uh, is that a formal attire for for a woman? Is that no? They just like seeing it. They like they don't like they. Uh, the, 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 the no, you specifically vest. said that's a casual attire for a man. Is, that's a casual attire. That's a casual. Yeah, I, do. I feel like that's. That's casual. You can stop that's with ca- casual attire. I think anyone who wears that would be considered I, casual. I, I'm a proponent of just adding for a man <laughs> to to random, otherwise gender non-specific <laughs> stuff. It's like it's a good movie to see for a man. This is going to be a great movie for a man because it is about football and Tom Brady. And love him or hate him, I feel this is going to be about football to the same extent that Brett Favre appearing in There's Something About Mary made the movie about football. (laughs) I'm going to tell my dad, I'm like, you want to go see a football movie, old man? All right, let's go get some. How many times I got to teach you this lesson, old man? And then he's going to hurt me after. He's going to be like, fuck that. I hate Tom Brady. And I hate uh, Horsehood. Fucking uh, oh! I forgot their names already. These old bags. I could see your dad maybe like, having a slight issue with Jane Fonda. <laughs> this I hate Lily Tomlin. <laughs> Never liked the movie she came out in. <laughs> I've only met the man once, but I, I I would believe if you told me he had issues with Jane Fonda. <laughs> I wish I could tell you you met him in rare form, but that was pretty common. <laughs> That was a common Luther W that you He saw. was having a good time, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Give that man a couple uh, a couple drinky poos, and ooh, the liquor's a calling. We're just letting him live his best life. There's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> just like there's nothing wrong with the old way of doing things. Yeah. And the Sometimes old way. the old way. So um, this has many elements that make it a a smash success instantly. Um, First off, uh, Saban Films. Uh, Second off, uh, Nick Cage. And that's that's really all all I need to say. It's it's a it's a revenge movie western. Mm -hmm. Starring Nick Cage. With uh, uh, with a mustache. Yeah. With a big fucking fake mustache. Is this the? Is and this the? Twi- and he, it's the dad. It's the like the dad learn teaches his daughter life skills, but she gets to shoot people, so that's fun. Is this the twin movie to uh, True Grit? Even though True Grit years apart, originally yeah. 
came yeah. out a long ass time ago, and then the remake came out long. Twenty twelve. Yeah, it's twins um, like that movie Twins with uh, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. That is to yeah. say, exactly alike in every way. Yeah. Him and this little girl are exactly like him in so many ways. He's going to start off the movie by saying, we're nothing alike. How could you understand where I'm coming from? So Nick Cage then, shaves at some point in this movie because there are scenes in the trailer where he has the mustache and scenes where he does not. Yeah. Yeah. It's I hope probably, we get that scene. It's probably to like distinguish between his flashback times and his present times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gotta, hold on. Yeah, put that on there. All right, now we're ready for the scene. <laughs> I, you know, all I really like the plot of this movie is is not super consequential to me. Like, oh, he's getting revenge in a western. Wow. Yeah, it's well worn ground. ground. But all I want out of this movie is I, I just want Nick Cage to say like gritty western lines. And, and I'm looking do, like, for a truffle Clint pig. Kind of, kind of vibe. That's all I want. What's no? It's Mad Dog, right? Mad Dog McCree. Is that the game? What's the game? Is it? Yeah, Mad uh, Dog McCree. Yeah, I feel like you played Mad Dog McCree and said, "Put me in that movie." <laughs> oh, Nick, you this missed. is a video. Try game. another. <laughs> Nick, this will never work. <laughs> All right, make it interactive. This is a this is a Wendy's, Nick. If you put, you know what? If Nick Cage really wanted to be bold, like extra bold barbecue sauce, are you implying he's not? <laughs> yeah, I'm not and sure that's why how I feel this. about he you. He should make his own man, FMV game. Like you should go back get for the <laughs> exclusively for the Sega Saturn. <laughs> on one condition he plays every character absolutely un- un- unquestionably i mean i'm I pretty sure he game. keeps every every wardrobe he plays so i'm sure he mm-hmm. well he, also... he became debt free last year so now he's free to spend his money extra wantonly <laughs> yes yes all right um while i'm throwing out wild nick cage ideas or reasonably wild Nick Cage ideas. This one isn't so wild, but I want I want your input on this. Um, all right, so Nick Cage as the star of like an obscure sports, like a movie about an obscure sport or like a less popular sport. What sport does he play? High lie, cricket. It's good, good. I like I like cricket more. Big in Pakistan, he loves cricket's the not like uh, cricket's obscure in America only. <laughs> Cricket is exactly. huge it's pretty much worldly. everywhere else. As Nick Cage would say, it's very worldly. It's, a, it's, it's an international sport. It's enjoyed it's by a, a lot of people. It's a game for the intellectuals. Like, <laughs> I want. what if you had like the dramatic Nick Cage water polo movie? <laughs> That'd be great. If Nick Cage could water ride a horse, a I would say like regular polo. Yeah. Or, or even croquet. The Nick... Nick Crow Cage, if you will. <laughs> would you would you like to play some croquet balls? No, Nick would uh, do that. That's accent. the old way. I'm. I mean, we're all stoked. Like, yeah. I don't care if it's if. However, it turns out, it's fine. It's if Nick it Cage. if it's a good movie, great. 
if it's a if it's not a great movie, it'll at least be entertaining because it's got oh, an yeah. occasion. It'll in it. be and whatever it turns out, it will probably be more entertaining than um from the the Badlands. What was that movie? Ghost oh, of the Ghostland. Ghost Prisoners of the Ghostland. Yeah, Prisoners yeah. of the Ghostland. Yeah. Um, I liked, uh, however, I gotta say, I gotta push back on that a little bit. That had a lot of Nick Cage energy. Oh and yeah, this movie doesn't sure. look like it has a ton of Nick Cage energy. Oh, you know uh, what? I shouldn't have said Ghost Prisoners of the Ghostland. I should have said fucking Jujitsu. Oh, Jujitsu yeah, yeah, was. I mean, I don't know. I, that's in the low tier. Of Prisoners of the Ghostland, at least for me, also pretty bad. There's. It's it's all different facets of the of the diamond that is Nick Cage. I've seen I mean, a lot of Nick Cage movies. <laughs> I mean, yeah. how do you really judge a Nick Cage movie? It's kind of it's kind of transcendental. It's its He's own trans person. It's its own beast, that's for sure. <laughs> Just like the follow up is its own beast on the show, and we're gonna be taking a look at that's the uh, that's the screen grab from last week. <laughs> That's a weird Alan Coolio still Heck hanging yeah. out. Um, so if I can clear the fucking screen grab thing, um, escape. Come on, work with me, buddy. Thank you. All right, <laughs> I can see my screen now. Um, domestic box office for weekend forty-five. Ooh, seven weeks left in this year. Time flies. What the fuck happened, man? I used to know you. Um, <laughs> November 11th through the 13th, 2022. Uh, in first place, a rather uh, commanding lead, I would say. Uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which was our originally scheduled feature for this week. We will uh, have the review next week. I really don't want to go out and see this movie but i will um mm-hmm. peter and his recap of it did not exactly sell me on it no oh I'm, you you want to go see it yeah i saw it because uh, i wasn't sure if we uh, this was oh, b- before we decided on what we were doing this week and i might i wasn't sure i was gonna be here so i just watched it just to be sure and um yeah yeah, it's a it's a lot of movie. It there's a there's a good movie in there, but there's just a lot of it. I heard um, it was kind of basic. Like I, that that was the only I I've been trying to stay away from any sort of spoilers. Um, <clears throat> I heard it was kind of big. I got like one small spoiler. Um, but. I heard it. I heard it was just kind of like uninspired. Um, yeah. Not so, to mention, there's this big like um, conspiracy theory that the um, I don't maybe marketing team, whoever makes like the posters um, for these movies, have a, a big um, like controversy with Ninjago. <laughs> Lego, yes, Lego Ninjago. All right, I I'm intrigued. Okay, so. Uh, what was it? I think it was around the time that Endgame came out. Uh, they released their poster for Endgame. Uh, you know, we got the, the traditional Marvel stack up of heads. And then we got Thanos in the background. Look up the poster for, like, the Ninjago. 
uh, movie. Ninjago. I don't know which one it is. Jago movie. There's, I mean, there's a few. There is one that looks very similar to the uh, Endgame. All right, let's poster. let's take a look here. Um, it is a recent one. Is around the time that Endgame came out. Um, I'm gonna just type in Endgame. No yeah. Results. Uh, Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame poster. I know what that poster looks like. Okay. Can I post this in our comments? So it looks very close to the Endgame thing, and uh, people were. Uh, they laughed quite a bit about it. All right, let me see if I can pull it up. Oh, there it is. Yes, okay. It's uh, got the purple background. It's got the villain in like the back left, just like the yeah. Uh, here it is. Like I'm sending it in the it. chat. Ah, yes. Um, there are similarities for sure. I would yeah. not. Uh, not necessarily say it's the same. It's got a it's got a lot of similarities. Well, the, the accents, the direction of the the way a lot of the characters oppose the color grade. The fuck, yeah. There's even fucking uh, not Thanos in the background, looking looking off to the left. Yeah. So now. Look at the Ninjago Ninjago Seabound uh, poster and compare that shit to the Wakanda Forever. There's so fewer characters on the Ninjago. Um, yeah. Ninjago, what did you say, Seabound? Seabound. Seabound poster. And then we all know the uh, Wakanda Forever one is like Namor. Um uh, being the reflection of is. Black Panther. Fucking oh, this is this is perfect. This one right uh, here. And Seabound came out before Wakanda Forever, so they think that they are just stealing poster design from each other. Um, and this is a just a quirky little thing that they're doing. All right. Well, I think the 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 answer here is is very obvious. They use the same graphic design uh, firm. <laughs> <laughs> That was a very long explanation to <laughs> go on about the movie posters and how how Ninjago is connected to uh, Marvel movies. It's all connected, I mean, you see. The most surprising part about any of this, for me, um, as, a, as a millennial, is that Lego Ninjago has had not one, but two movies. Perhaps even more. <laughs> you, you know... Um, uh, Kristen's niece and my, I guess, niece-in-law um, is a big fan of Ninjago. And I'm like, great, you like Legos. But, like, Ninjago's like her bionicles and shit. And I'm like, that's yeah. cool. Dope. Everyone needs uh, that. So I'm, I'm assuming it's got some sort of cultural snag on kids nowadays. Yeah. It has, Enough to where it's for a while. I've seen a couple kids dress up at it during Halloween, so... Well, I mean, it's Legos. I, I used to which, imagine putting you know, the fucking buckets on their head with the... Kids love fucking Legos. They do. And kids love ninjas. So, I mean, this it, this makes perfect sense to me. Um, yeah, I'll put stock in that any day of the week. Hell yeah. Um, and 
in a distant second. Well, yeah. first, let's take a look at the, the total gross so far for Wakanda Forever. Yes. $407 million worldwide, 187 overseas, 220 domestic. Um, Black Adam took it on the fucking chin, uh, down 55.9%. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and just Not its even fourth week. Black Panther made more money in its first week than Black Adam has in its entire four week run so far. They really yeah. just hit the Wakanda button and the fucking box office exploded. Hey, watch me, Wakanda. <laughs> what, what kind of results are these? Uh, well, now, Peter, you saw the movie. Did, was there a Kamala Harris part where she said Wakanda forever, or was that a goof? What? Did I get goofed no. on? No, no, okay, cool. There was there was a there's a lot of product placement. So bring bring a flask and drink every time there's product placement. Is it a Mercedes or Audi or something like that? Uh iPhone. <laughs> it's bad. Always bad. <laughs> They're real there's, desperate to sell those fourteens. I really swear saw to that, God, uh, there was a certified Mr. Nimbus moment in the movie <laughs> where they're they're at a secret hideout. And like I, I, I guess Namor did not call the police there, but the police showed up. And the first thing I thought it was he was controlling them. It's like, oh, it's Mister Nimbus. He controls the police. <laughs> um, yeah. So drink. So drink whenever there's a product placement. Uh, drink when you find out why. Like the explanation in this movie of Namor's namesake. Um. And drink when you can't see anything that's happening in the frame when it's too dark. Oh fuck! It's 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 that. solo Star Wars level of of like dark cinema photography. <laughs> um, and and drink when you figure out what the motivation of the characters are of the villain is because it's worse than normal. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun! I'm excited. Can't wait. Ticket of Paradise is in third, holding over from last week. Lyle Lyle Crocodile continues its weird rise up the leaderboard, um, yeah, finding itself it, in fourth. Might not be rising so much as everything is sinking around it. That's true. It's, uh, but it's only down five percent. That's and it was up percentage points last week, despite the fact that theaters are kicking it out at a pretty aggressive clip. Yeah, this is this is a bad week for theaters. Like, I'm looking at these lot, like everything's they're moving everything out. I think of well, the 45 weeks we've covered this year, at least 38 of them have been bad weeks for movies. Well, I th- I think I have an explanation. I think due to the uh, the recent tropical storm and after Hurricane Ian, I think the population of crocodiles have significantly increased in the U.S. and I think they're now allowing them into theaters. Uh, Due to like COVID restrictions lifting, so they've just taken crocodile over representation. The yeah, yeah, they they really targeted that demographic with Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Uh, Smile falls forty one point one percent in its seventh week, getting pushed out of theaters here, two point three million dollars. Pray for the devil down in sixth, one point nine million dollars, fifty percent drop from last week. The Banshees of Inisherin, uh down 19.8% opening in 65 more theaters um how much money has that made so far 15 million dollars worldwide also a lesser drop too yeah it's that's been pretty consistent 
It's rolling out who, uh, wide. Who is the director here? On that one. Uh, that's not going to be on this page. What am I even looking for? <laughs> ben, she's a Venetian. Uh, uh, Martin McDonough. 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 Martin McDonough, starring well, Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, and Kerry I don't know about his exact career, but I'm sure this was this will will catapult him to the. Uh, uh, he wrote Seven Psychopaths, uh, Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Okay, I know that one. Uh, in Bruges. In Bruges. Yes, in Bruges. In Bruges or whatever. Uh, also. Wrote something called The Pillow Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's also that's uh, all right, Blumhouse. All right, he he directed those as well. Yeah, um, I'm sure he's been the writer director on like all his films. Okay, I I remember in Bruges getting some. It was he got some like acclaim. Well, Three Billboards won some Oscars, I think. Seven Psychopaths. I've never seen it, but I've. It's a it's a movie people talk about a lot. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so I guess I, you don't really need to search him out, and he's he's already there. Predictably, here today, gone tomorrow. One Piece film red, uh, falling from second to eighth, down eighty four point eight percent, despite being in. Most of the same fears it was in last week. <laughs> yep. No one wanted to see it again. They're probably the they're probably down to one showing. They're like the one yeah. dub and the one sub showing. Well, weebs are are just a uh, get out there, see it right away. Hey, Seth, well, we are a one and done kind of crowd. Well, when you look at uh, when you contrast this to superhero, um. Like that was on screen one at our the theater in in the like the big mall in our mm-hmm. region, like screen one IMAX. Yeah. Uh, one piece red had like two showings, and none of them were uh, premium formats. Yeah, because well, Dragon yeah, Ball I think, Z is I think, the people's anime. Yeah, I think Dragon Ball Z is definitely more popular than One Piece around. Around America. Around these parts. These parts. We don't need no monkey we D got, Luffy going gear four. We got taste. <laughs> don't even know what that means, Jake. All I know is that he's he's the rubber man. He took a bite I of just, something called gum gum fruit. Yes. And yes. can now yes, stretch. Devil's fruit. I, yes, he stretches. That was, you know, I will say it was interesting. Like, I learned that they it gives them superpowers, but then they can't swim. Ah, drawbacks. And they're pirates. Ah, ha, ha. Oh, the nerfing. Yeah, there's a bunch of different uh, fruits, too. I don't know if they, mm. they kept that gimmick for for much of the, the run or not. No, no I, think, I think, yeah, the devil fruit is like every like main character like took the devil fruit or some of that. And they have a superpower, but probably also a weakness in that. And they can uh, amplify their powers by going, ah... <laughs> Or something tragic happening in their well, life, which I mean, they have to bite anime. their hand. Does their hair also go from jet black to hyper glow yellow? Uh, maybe. One of my Sometimes favorite lines in this any is what you goes... call 
a gear two. Like Luffy and goes like uh Super Saiyan four. He turns like kinda he gets really like sunburnt, right? It's his, yeah. One it's of my super form. favorite lines in any dubbed anime ever is in the Funimation dub of Yu Yu Hakusho in the uh, Dark Tournament arc because they fucking call out that trope. <laughs> Karasu gets his mask knocked off and his hair goes all yellow and the commentator's like, oh, his hair's gone from jet black to hypergrow yellow, <laughs> likely indicating a stark increase in power. <laughs> or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Um... In, Man, that sure was an early 2000s anime, wasn't it? Uh, late 90s, actually. Huh. Okay, I might have been thinking of the trading card game, which I have, I have like 12 cards of. It got big here in the early 2000s, because the PS2 fighting game was like a 2002 release, and then the, mm-hmm. the Game Boy Advance game. Yeah. It was, well, there it were two was part Game of that, Advance like, wa- that... Uh, Yu Yu Hakusho Inuyasha wave, which I'll call the Hakushasa. <laughs> Hak- wait, yeah, Hakushasa wave. It was it was um, the Dragon Ball Z is wrapped up. Um, people are like, huh, maybe I'll like other anime, and some of them did, and and some of them didn't, and uh, yeah, that's that's a brief history of America anime in America. <laughs> Uh, and we move now to Tar in number 10, up to three spots, actually, from last week, despite dropping 47% of its gross, mm-hmm. being out of 713 theaters. And more importantly than any of that shit, finding itself in our spotlight for this week. So um, this was this was a movie that received a lot of praise as an 8 zero on imdb and i'm sure a lot of positive reviews on rotten tomatoes metacritic however these reviews come from untrustworthy sources written by untrustworthy people true scoundrels the the skullduggery is is unknown from these people but sometimes it's better to take the devil you don't know. Or maybe this is the devil you know. I've really lost sight of where I was going with this analogy. The the devil fruit that makes you not be able to swim. These, sure. <laughs> these are, this is the one piece. <laughs> the one piece is real. Um, can, can we get much higher? So than 10 stars. IMDb user reviews. Uh, it's it's where you go to get the scoop on what's happening with a movie. Um, so we're going to do that now. And Anne Caroline, spelled K-A-R-O-N-L-I-N-E. Um, Tar, 10 out of 10. Not a movie. <laughs> a film. The rarity of the encounter with a masterpiece that would define a generation makes a modern cinema goer lower their expectations and prepare for the best half an hour 
of originality. Oh, and prepare for at best a half hour of originality, which is why Tar rushes into the mellowed psyche of today's superhero obsessed viewer with a demonstrably courageous force. Every scene has meaning. Every detail is in its place. Every bold choice the writer makes hits its target. The cinematographer delights the eye and seamlessly needles all the flashes of excitement together. This work of art proves that the cinema, in its primordial sense, is still possible. Bravo. Bravo. Zero. The guy who was in charge of cinematography's mom did that review. (laughs) And, uh. Well, there's never, according to IMDb users, uh, there's never been a movie with bad cinematography. It's always great. It's true. And this, this reviewer says no movie's good. Nothing's, this is terrible. It's just. There was one pun that said dreadfully terrible. I will not be reading that, but I wanted you to know that was a title that of exists, a review. Yeah. Yeah, Fair. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this I like this. I like this title better. Barely half a mil first week growth. I don't have a voice for this. I'm not going to do a voice. <laughs> Barely half a mil first week growth. Seventeenth overall USA terrible film. I'm hooked. One out of ten. GP, what do you got to say? Sorry, but unless you are well-educated in classical music, which I am, you will not have a clue of the majority of the dialogue. Many parts, one did not wonder if the protagonist was dreaming, daydreaming, or just weird situations. Like, the neighbor made no sense at all. The worst part of the... Worst part, we see many of her colleagues and, quote, friends, and even her wife, sabotage her life. But we never see any concrete evidence to support this disloyalty. Students act like they have all the time in the world to post false, slanderous videos online when in reality, classical students have as little free time as pre-lawyers. Kate's conducting moves on the podium are strictly for cinematic effect and even laughable when she's wearing the black top. The only good scene I liked was the podium confrontation, though a bit one-sided, I felt was warranted. The only positive reviews I see are Kate Blanchett, whom I've had the displeasure of meeting. (laughs) Diehard fans ignoring the fact there are hundreds of other films to consider acting awards. Living in a bubble fails to persuade, as evidenced by the dismissal first week U.S. tar film box office of barely half a million dollars and 17th place finish. Nearly all films fall off half of their viewership in the second and further still the following weeks. Hardly Oscar-worthy. 35 out of 102 found out. Well, here we are in week six, and it's uh, brought in 383 
thousand dollars so a little off in the prediction there i just love that this is this person has like a personal vendetta against Kate blanchett uh, they were fucking mad dude they not only are they like this is like their worst nightmare like their personal enemy Kate blanchett is like oh you like classical music oh great okay i'm gonna go do a movie about that and it's gonna suck to you and they're like my only love and my worst nightmare like doing the things, ah, I'm gonna go pay money to go see this, but I'm gonna hate it. <laughs> Fucking Boy. GP, don't change. Never Eggs. change. Have a great summer. Um. All right. So I have two very pretentious reviews here. Do I go with the longer one or the shorter one? Well, you're gonna read them both eventually, so I guess. It well, I've matter. got a third one here. Oh. Um. That I I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna read. I but guess the shorter. Okay. Whichever's more pretentious. All right. I think I, I think I have to do the longer one in that case. I'll make quick work of it. Um, well, nah, we'll do the short. We'll, we'll do the short. We'll do the short one. Fuck it. We're do doing it live. From degree seven. Oh, I gotta. I gotta do. I'll see if I can't get my most pretentious voice in. Five out of ten in the orchestra pit. Todd Fields made one of the best directing debuts ever in 2001 with In the Bedroom. His latest feature doesn't quite live up to those standards, but the stylistic undercurrent is still there. The increasing neurosis and paranoia of the well-to-do protagonist seeming to be undone by their toxic environment is a through line to his previous features. Howard Hawks once said that a good movie has three great scenes and no bad scenes. Tar has three good scenes and the rest are tolerable. (laughs) The opening is middling and the editing is choppy and lacks a strong pace. But Kate Blanchett's portrayal is enough to bring about the audience's th- sympathy of being a scapegoat, while some dramatic tension is revealed in the sequences at Juilliard, the deposition, and an unexpectedly creepy moment when Linda is pursued through a dark, dank basement. Unfortunately, the film never quite comes together to unify into a cohesive whole. That's whole without a W. As in, as in, the whole. 15 out of 23. Wow, that's actually quite a bit of engagement. Well, uh, Brandon Emsay has a difference of opinion. 9 out of 10, the viewer. This film reveals more about the viewer than any of its characters. The filmmakers intentionally, I believe, left gaps in the numerous threads of Ta's life, which subtly leads the audience members to fill them in with their own interpretations, bias ideology at all. While the film touches on many themes, it employs this technique in dealing with each one. 
It isn't until after the viewing that we as audience members are given a chance to reflect on what we put into the story, and we may or may not be happy with our own reflections. This, however, is only one aspect of the genius of this film, the analysis of which I'll leave to other more capable hands. Uh, 11 out of 24 found that helpful. So I was going to read this one review, uh, but I did see that they said they left after 45 minutes. And then another review, it said, I will never get back two hours and 38 minutes. That's more than half the movie, dog, that you walked out of. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to go with this. This is also very, um, what did you call it, Peter? Pretentious. Um, pretentious, yeah. There we go. There's a lot of pretension in these reviews. Uh, One out of ten from Orpheus Dude. Orpheus, Orpheus, Orpheus. (laughs) Is this a joke? And that's the uh, title. Or a comment on the state of classical music today and the fact that that's been totally overtaken by marketing. The portions of Mahler 5 or Mahler V that we hear are egregiously awful. I know. I am a member of the international Gustav Mahler Gerolschaft in Vienna for years and have written extensively about Mahler for worldwide mass media. Bloomberg, The Financial Times, <laughs> Musical America, and many others. <laughs> Ironically, I heard a performance of Mallor 5 last night by Wiener. <laughs> by the Wiener. <laughs> Sorry. Wow, that was so unprofessional of me. <laughs> Oh god, Germans, you gotta fucking relax, dude. He's Austrian. Hungarian rather. We know her talk. Ironically, I heard a performance of Ma- is it Mahler V or Mahler 5? <coughs> Anybody know? Uh, Mahler, Fuck it. Mahler 5. Mahler 5 last night by Wiener Symphoniker that was so utterly wrong that I wanted to walk out but was in dead center of row of about 25 people. It was so misguided that it actually made me angry, as did this movie. This has, in half a century, gone from obscurity to one of the most overplayed pieces of classical music, especially the famous... Adiagetto, the fourth movement from for strings only. It really needs to, to be put aside for a while and restudied, and then not handed out to any pretty slash handsome untalented kid who looks great on an album cover or promo video. Fourteen out of twenty nine found that helpful, and I will put that Adia. Adagetto? Adagetto. Aviato. (laughs) It means thank you in Japanese. (laughs) You know Aviato? Um, I was gonna I was gonna read this one, but 
the the other potential as I, I was looking through the other longer review i'm like you know what these are all turning out to to be pretentious i gotta go full hog here i i can't half-ass it with you know so cso fan 62317 love you but it's not today it's not in the cards today yeah adagietto interesting um we're gonna we're instead gonna go with levy bob's five out of ten review how can the first hour seem like a year <laughs> director todd field is up to something in his new film tar though what it is i couldn't say one thing for sure it's strange very the first seven minutes are dedicated to scrolling the film's credits no, not credits for Kate Blanchett and the rest of the cast. I'm talking about Key Grip, Best Boy, Stuntman Number One, the stuff you'd normally see at a film's conclusion if you stick around for the credits. The film's next 15 minutes feature a one on one interview between the film's protagonist, Ms. Tar, Blanchett, and New Yorker columnist Adam Gopnik. The two are seated on an auditorium stage. The audience silent. Miss Blainchett slash Tar fiercely intense as the Philharmonic conductor describes her craft. This goes on far longer than you'd expect, and in my opinion, far longer than necessary. The next segment is a lunch or dinner at which Miss Tar and an associate, who is he? I don't know, but I should discuss the politics and interpersonal relationships going on in Miss Tar's orchestra, the Berlin Philharmonic. The viewer is a fly on the wall to this gossip. We have to listen closely because much is mumbled. But never mind. The people gossiped about are people we don't know yet. And so we, as in I, tune out. Perhaps a mistake, but I could not help it. There are innuendos aplenty here. We learn that Miss Tar in is a lesbian. Huh? In your <laughs> We learn that Miss Tar is a lesbian, <gasps> and the man sitting across from her might be, or might once have been, attracted to men. Here, at about the 30 to 40 minute mark, I considered leaving, <laughs> but I didn't. You, however, may give in to the inclination to draw fresh air, and frankly, I would not blame you. But if you do consider leaving, let me tell you this. 1. The rest of the film moves at a faster pace. Much faster. In fact, the longer it goes, the faster the pace. <laughs> <laughs> 2. Miss like the tagline for fucking speed. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Blanchard is, in fact, as fabulous as you've undoubtedly read. If you do stay, stay for her performance, not the story. Three, the gossip you overheard at that lunch slash dinner table. <laughs> as the film progresses, it will begin to make sense to you. Completely? No. <laughs> but somewhat. Four. Conductor Tar is a mighty presence with an Achilles heel, and that weakness has gotten her into a bit of trouble. But what? But exactly what it is she did, I mean exactly, <laughs> remains somehow vague. We never doubt her weaknesses, but would probably benefit from some more detail. 
such as what was her relationship to the person who got Tar into trouble? Was the person a student, a member of the symphony? Oh. And five, the scenes of Blanchett slash Tar <laughs> conducting the orchestra are fine. They are not jaw-droppingly sensational, as other critics would have you believe. In short, I was disappointed. There's, there's a period before disappointed. <laughs> the way I see it, if you're reading this review, it's likely you've already decided to see it. <laughs> and if that's the case, I hope this will assist you in adjusting your expectations. Adjusting as in lowering 59 out of 100. Found that helpful. It's always the most like innocuous starting reviews that turn into the most fucking depraved bullshit. <laughs> the faster it goes, the long the longer it goes, the faster the pace. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the tagline for speed too. <laughs> <laughs> and that, my friends, is the follow up. Um that was that was more fun than I thought it'd be. Um Let's talk now about gaming news. And we begin this week with uh, breaking news. Um, <clears throat> the people have spoken. Sonic Frontiers is officially better than Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah. Due to so, user review so. averages, Sonic is game of the year now. Sorry, not sorry. Um, Sonagati edition. I have actually the only ring will be collecting. I've watched the uh, Digital Foundry uh, technical review, and in front of that, the guy who does a lot of the Digital Foundry stuff is a real big Sonic fan. Like he gushed endlessly about Sonic Mania, um, and he had a lot of very positive things to say about Sonic Frontiers. So I'm I'm waiting for that De Nuvo to get plucked out of there. Uh, and then I'll be on it because I'm actually pretty excited to give this a go now after all the the good things I've I've been hearing about it. I was very nervous uh, at the start of it, but it seems like it it's going pretty well. I feel like the the general sentiment is, yeah, it's mid, but I like it. So fuck you. See, I I feel like from what I've heard, at least from the sources I've pulled from. And I should probably switch this back to the, the proper view. <laughs> um, from the sources I've heard from, it is an ambitious title that does a lot of things really well. It recycles some other things from Sonic Generations, which some people might view as a uh, bad thing. I fucking love Sonic Generations, so I'm all for that. And it has some things where it's reach kind of outstretched its grasp. Um, but the total package is something that is uh, very unique and um, pretty special in its own right. Mm -hmm. um, but <clears throat> right now, the professional critic aggregate Metacritic uh, gives it a 78 from the pros. And an 8.5 by the users, which uh, puts it ahead of Elden Ring. Sure, Elden Ring might have, you know, several orders of magnitude more reviews. 
but but don't you bring your fucking context into my argument here. <laughs> but can you spin dash in Elden Ring? I don't think so. If you collect seven not really emerald cuts, I think they're ruby cut gems <laughs> in Elden Ring, do you turn hyperglow yellow and have an increase in power? I don't think so. so you can you can collect many rings in Sonic. In fact, oh, I think you can just isn't it like if you just do a loop, you can just like pop rings out indefinitely? There are there are several uh ring accumulation gl- glitches throughout the 3D Sonic uh timeline. Let me find I know I know up. our fans would love to have some lovely context. So if we are going on Metacritic, the Metascore. No, Sonic Frontier has a Metascore of 72 and a user score of 8.3. That Metascore has 73 critic reviews and 2,400 ratings. Elden Ring has a 96 with 84 critic reviews and a 7.8 user score with 10,400 ratings. Uh, yeah, I mean, the yeah, only the thing I score is higher for Sonic Frontiers. Is only thing I heard from there is uh, 8.3 is oh. higher than 7.8. So I'm just... yeah, 8.3 is higher from 7.8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh. <clears throat> wait till I make a bot account to send <laughs> 10,001 out of 10 reviews over fucking Sonic Frontiers and see how you like it. I'm I'm sorry that your precious Elden Ring can't compete with our blue blur. Yeah. Uh, Does Elden Ring is, have uh, blast processing? George R. R. Martin can't blast process. <laughs> blast processing, more like ass processing. Um, a new Intel Arc graphics driver has produced has boosted performance by up to eight percent, which is. Uh, a pretty nice improvement for a driver update, and the cards are getting better little by little. I'm telling y'all, if you are in the market for a mid-range GPU, please consider the Intel Arc A750, I think, is the mid-tier one. It's less than $300. Uh, in raster, it competes with the 3060. Um, it might even beat it as driver optimizations come out. Um, I think it actually... It has features that the 3060 does not have, like native AVX1, I think is the video codec. It has native encode and decode for that. Um, and uh, it has pretty good ray tracing performance also. So if you are someone who cares about ray tracing, um, there's that. Um, <clears throat> the... Uh, the not so jolly green giant NVIDIA also mm-hmm. released a graphics card this week, the 4080 uh, 16 gig, which is the only 4080 now that they unlaunched the uh, the pretender. Um, it released and it does um, have a pretty impressive generational uplift over the 40 or 3080. It's about 40 ish percent faster on average. Which would be really cool if it didn't cost 50% more than the 3080 did. Um, Paying more money to get more performance is not progress. 
<laughs> it's I, you need to break the break even on dollars per fast. You're now, losing you're now, losing fasts for every dollar you spend. Honestly, now th- these GPUs sound fantastic. Can I can I slide those bad boys into my Nintendo Switch? Um, no. Fuck. I was I, I the reason I hesitated is because I'm like, well, maybe you could get an eGPU enclosure and with a like modded switch maybe you can do that but i think you need thunderbolt and the switch definitely does not have thunderbolt run my, run right. my modded switch cracked out of its mind <laughs> yeah. on a, a fucking crazy gpu just to play <laughs> it's Scar- just a tower Scarlet it's just Vi- an actual tower with the two <laughs> handles on the side just to play Scarlet and Violet, not on. Well, you 10 see, FPS? if you if that. you um, maybe you'll actually get into the buildings on that. There is such a thing as a Switch emulator, so uh, you could <laughs> theoretically maybe. run run a Switch maybe. game on a, a forty ninety. Now, the forty ninety, interestingly enough, uh, to say this about a graphics card that has an MSRP of sixteen hundred fucking dollars, but that's actually a decent value. When you compare gen over gen, because the 3090 launched at $1,500. And um, while that is also ridiculous, if you accept the fact that a 90 series card, since this was the first 90 series card, costs $1,500, uh, the 4090 only being $100 more, but delivering like 40% more performance. Uh, is maybe worth the risk of your power adapter catching on fire and burning your house down, but that's up to you to decide. You would also need to invest into a into a stronger. Desk yeah, you you might need a bigger desk. You're definitely going to need a bigger uh, case. Um, the forty ninety is like a five slot card. Have you <laughs> have you seen the? Uh, I I don't know if it was a forty ninety or a forty eighty, but I, I know I've seen the cards attached to like a micro ATX <laughs> Mobo, and it's just it, it it you don't need a case because it just stands up on the <laughs> GPU. It just like is Eiffel towered by the GPU. It, yeah, it, it they're fucking chunky cards. That's that's one of the things that I I really appreciated about the seventy nine hundred. Uh, XTX when they revealed that at the uh, AMD press conference. I'm like, hey, that looks like it fit in my case. <laughs> hey, look at that. It's just two 8-pin power connectors. I have that. <laughs> Actually, that that's one less power connector than my 3080. There's, there's three 8-pins in that. Um, in slightly sad news, Gearbox has uh, bought the Risk of Rain IP. Um, so the future of the franchise is in question. Gearbox, Randy, until very recently, um, if Gearbox had bought the Risk of Rain IP, I probably would have been excited. And they've been publishing Risk of Rain 2 for, for a good long while. So that's not mm-hmm. like a new thing, but now they own the IP. So any future Risk of Rain products are going to be Gearbox stuff. Which, uh, um, with the recent track record of Gearbox, does not inspire a ton of confidence. But um, mm-hmm. it's also probably not a big enough IP that it's uh, in danger of being fucking beaten to death. Yeah. It just it yeah. It depends on how much they feel they can squeeze out of it because you can't go 
I feel like you really can't go regular releases. That's like part of the charm of Risk of Rain is that it's kind of just all contained. The only mm-hmm. like the only thing I would me personally, this is my very personal want out of new Risk of Rain stuff would be a like a Risk of Rain mystery dungeon game. That's it's super fucking niche. But I think that would be real neat. Well, they they announced as part of the announcement, they um, said that they're right now they're working very hard on bringing Survivors of the Void to console. Um, okay. But they are also working on what they described as a passion project, which there's some scuttlebutt that that's going to be some sort of remake remaster of Risk of Rain one. Which they might okay. rejigger to more of a dungeon crawler. Risk of Rain One was kind of a dungeon crawlery esque thing. Yeah. Within the the roguelite shell. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I do, however, have a uh, we 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 truncated the the stories because I do have a game review. Someone finished game. I did finish a game. I finished Spider Man Remastered. Spider Man. Which released uh, for the PC in August. And um, I will I will start succinctly by saying I do not throw the word masterpiece around often. Um, it's overused. Uh, there are people that describe God of War 2018 as a masterpiece. Uh, we played that game. Well, I did enjoy it. I would, I would say that it's probably not what I would consider to be a masterpiece. It's a pretty good game, but um, in some respects, I feel like it's not even my favorite God of War game. Um, however, Sp- Marvel's Spider-Man Remastered is truly a masterpiece. It delivers in every aspect that you want a game to deliver in. The visuals are gorgeous. They run well on a wide variety of hardware. The story, while it doesn't, uh, you know, take any real big risks or have any really unexpected twists and turns, if you're familiar at all with Spider-Man's characters, is a very tightly wound narrative that is... Uh, very satisfying in its payoffs, and it builds very nicely. It's a well-paced game. Uh, the open world is a beautifully rendered and detailed Manhattan. Um, like, if you're familiar with the city and you swing over to a spot you know, chances are it's going to be accurately <laughs> detailed in the game. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty fucking incredible. Um, the open world events are a lot of fun. There's a lot to do. There's plenty of collectibles. Um, it's, it's fun to just swing around and fight crime and my fucking God web swinging in this game is incredibly satisfying. I could do, I, I could just zonk out and be hypnotized by the fluidity of the movement for hours on end. It is um, everything that you liked about Spider-Man 2 from Treyarch's web swinging dialed up to fucking 15. It is the most fun. I've never I'm not, I've never been Spider-Man, so I don't know what it 
feels like to be Spider-Man. So I'm not going to use the phrase makes you feel like Spider-Man, but it makes you feel pretty damn good. And uh, there is fast travel in this game, but it almost feels like a sin to use the fast travel because it's so much fun to swing around and and zip across the New York City skyline. Um, Mm -hmm. It borrows a lot of elements from... Uh, the Arkham series. The combat system is fairly similar. It has enough uh, unique things to it, but um, it does have a basic structure where you build up your combo. Instead of building like a combo length to where you can use a special move like in the Arkham games, you have a, I think it's called a focus meter um, that you build up through performing long combos and that will stay with you so you don't have to immediately use a, a stored finisher um, you can also use your focus to, to heal yourself um, so the combat it it borrows a lot from other games but um, it has enough to it that's kind of unique to spider-man that it feels good the the there are stealth sections stealth sort of sections um that are very much like Batman Predator missions, like almost exactly like Batman Predator missions. You have a variety of gadgets that do a lot of the same things as some of the Batman gadgets. You have the the inverted takedown thing, um, mm-hmm. but those games are really good. They sold well for for good reason, and um, if you can borrow from that formula to make a good game. Uh, I don't really, I'm not going to knock Insomniac for doing so. Um, There had been a few, Spider-Man has had a more successful video game history than a lot of superheroes. Um, There have been a number of pretty good Spider-Man games prior to this game's release, but none of them, the game was changed in 2009 when Arkham Asylum came out. It really... Uh, redefined what a superhero game could look like. And there were some Spider-Man games that came out after that that tried to uh, capture that kind of magic, but none of them really got there. There were some good games in there. Uh, A lot of people liked Web of Shadows. Uh, Shadow Dimensions was a fun game. Uh, These aren't games that you can, like, go out and play anymore because of the delisting them digitally and, you know, them being kind of out of print. So if if you want to play these games, you have to like mm-hmm. fork over serious cash love, for love me some fucking lost media for a hard copy disc from the Xbox 360 or PS3. If you have a functioning version of either of those systems, um, but uh, Spider-Man Remastered slash Spider-Man 2018 takes the lessons that the Arkham trilogy taught the world of superhero video games and takes it and brings it to a larger scope environment than we've ever seen in one of these games. And one of the things that people felt the Arkham Asylum in particular did really well is that it limited the scope and allowed it to focus on a very tight narrative with interesting and varied gameplay. Spider-Man Remastered, through some feat of black magic, was able to expand the scope of its world beyond that of even Arkham Knight and still nail it in every other aspect that you want. 
if you have a computer that's reasonably modern, highly recommend picking up Spider-Man Remastered. And I believe today, the follow-up Miles Morales game released on PC, and I'm excited to get my hands on that one and, and dig into it. So I, I give uh, Spider-Man Remastered a 9.7 out of 10 and a hearty recommendation. It is currently my uh, front runner for Game of the Year. Very nice. And with that, <clears throat> let's talk about yeah, a different superhero, games. although I did kind of mention Batman a few times in that mm-hmm. review. Um, did did uh, Kevin Conroy do the voice for Batman in the Arkham games? He, um, in Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight, he did. So, he did not do Arkham Origins. Right, that's the that's wait, which one in the series was that? That was the third game released chronological. Well, it's a prequel, mm-hmm. but it uh, came out between Arkham. Uh, City and Arkham Knight came out in gotcha. 2013. Okay, uh, so they, did they, I guess, did they not consider it like a mainline <laughs> game? Um, WB Montreal developed it instead of Rocksteady, and okay. um, I believe it was just to put something out because development of Arkham Knight was taking longer than expected. Gotcha. Okay, I mean, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, but we are not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the uh, short movie. Yeah, it's about an um, hour and six minutes now. Batman Sub-Zero. So let's hear for our guy, Mr. Freeze. We love to see him. Any form he comes in here, I love to see so- Mr. Freeze. Solid liquid. you know, any- <laughs> Solid liquid yes. gas. We love to see Mr. Freeze. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger phase. That was even okay. Um, even though he was lacking in the puns, he brought his two bears along with him, and glad he did. And those polar you know? bears, mm. fucking! I need to, I need Tier Zoo to fucking uh, do a video on if polar bears are overpowered because they seem to be uh, quite the the game changer in this movie. Pol- polar bears are wild. They are they are stronger than a tank. They uh, can breathe underwater. <laughs> um, they only need like one fish a week to live, and boy, those claws seemed awfully sharp. Even though he palm hill striked Robin as a way to not, you know, hurt him too much. Um, he was a nice bear. Yeah, I I kind of want to <laughs> I want to mention a scene with with Robin and Mister Freeze that kind of like. Took me aback a little bit watching this movie, yeah. um, but I don't want to jump ahead too far into spoilers. Um, this is an older thing, so this came out in 1998. So the animation is a higher budget, and they had access to more like 3D than they did when they did. They definitely were flexing that uh, Mask of the Phantasm, and mm-hmm. um, so what's interesting about this is that this is definitely a Batman the Animated Series movie but it released well into the new batman adventures era but the art style was definitely batman the animated series the 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 sky was not 
like the super red sky, the bat suit design was was Batman the Animated Series design. Uh, all mm-hmm. the character designs were were Batman the Animated Series, uh, just with much nicer animation than that series typically offered. And it's a it's a snazzy looking movie. Um, it's a simple plot. Mister Freeze is just chilling in the Arctic. I, yep. I I will say Arguably I really enjoyed this guy. plot in terms of like it felt like a very classic kind of adventure. Yeah. Most a lot of what I liked about it was the fact that I I always clamor for any time Batman does some ac- some some big old detective work and has to figure stuff out and it was both a pretty uh, pretty intricate kind of mystery but one that everyone could really follow along with. Yeah. I I I will praise this movie um even though the the Batman um put forth the notion that it, it spent a lot of time and energy uh, really focusing on uh, Batman the Detective. This movie, in an hour and six minutes, I felt showcased Batman doing far greater detective work and actually, you know, solving the mystery. <laughs> I also like that, I mean, in that also in that regard, I like that the detective work wasn't a lot of times when Batman does detective stuff, it's, I have this sample, we'll run it through the sample analyzer, I found it. But they did, We've like, investigation. Yeah. You know, they, they looked up the the link between Barbara, like, what they would be after Barbara's for. Like, they, they he subtly interrogates a nurse about the, or, I'm sorry, Bullock offers the information about the mm-hmm. doctor calling from the hospital, and he's like, hmm, why would they? Why? Well, what's the connection here? And so he he looks up Barbara's information. And he sees the same thing that the villain saw earlier in the movie, and he's like, ah, oh, they share a blood type with Nora Freeze. Okay, I gotcha. And then they they follow up that lead <laughs> by finding yep. the doctor, and then they find out that he's made a lot of calls to his stockbroker and then they interrogate his stockbroker and he gives them information to the next lead and it's an detective story and it, it uh, they literally find yeah. the motive and the opportunity and the the method and it's like it's it's great um the plot itself uh, like the the crime itself is like I like I alluded to before it's uh disappointingly plausible in our world of 2022 <laughs> yeah um aside from the the fantastical idea of mr freeze and, and all this shit um man with man with dying wife kidnaps a doctor and has, forces him to do janky bootleg surgery <laughs> on a on a discarded oil rig <laughs> yeah that's a fucking 2022 story right there kids yeah that was a little shoehorn together it was uh it was kind of interesting. The the and it just kind of did snowball. I mean, pun yeah. intended. Um, towards the end there, but it's uh, you know, it added tension and. I think um, I they, think it's they, pretty I tightly think, wound plot. Actually, it does a great. I think the movie does a great job of like introducing the players in a logical progression. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, it's just kind of the end scene was just kind of set up for. 
this last set piece. I don't think it needed necessarily to be on a oil rig or you know what have you. But it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's, yeah, I will, it's just simple some like semantics that I'm, I'm picking. I up, will but, posit uh, that it yes, this, also didn't need to not be on an oil rig. No, it didn't. No, it, you know, and and that's kind of the the thing I love about these like older uh, Batman movies where they kind of do mix a little bit of like reality detective work um and like it's grounded in a certain sense while introducing kind of the um gotham eccentricities with uh just a random oil rig within uh close reach five miles Um, off the coast yeah which you is know, like and that's like in international waters, right? Yeah, that's that's, that's a pretty fine. that's it's a pretty and that's plausible. Like, oh, you're gonna do your dirty your crimes. You do them off the coast where Gotham doesn't have where the cops don't have jurisdiction. Um, that, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. It's it's definitely something like it's it's a different scene of like Gotham that we haven't seen before. And you know, how many times are we um, shelled up in some sewer hole or some random? science building or underground that uh batman has to resolve so a critique i had of this film as a kid or a disappointment i guess was that yeah so the trailers for this movie showed a lot of scenes like in the the arctic and not a lot in gotham and the poster shows batman you know above his silhouette above mr freeze and they're in the ice cave um, I I felt a a bit of disappointment then, and I still kind of maintain now that a better setting for the climax would have been in the Arctic. I think you could have done a bit more with that. It makes sense from a story perspective to be closer than that, but at the same time, I feel like there could have been a lot of cooler uh visual set ah, pieces ah. there ah. drinking they, they did they did a good amount of like jumping around um that i feel like could have been utilized in a more um narrative sense mm-hmm. and you could have had some uh not necessarily Chekhov's gun but like callbacks to certain things you know we we're not sure how we got to the arctic uh, nor do we really care, but you know when you have this uh, submarine just pop up out of nowhere. Yeah, the whole impetus for the spoil. plot is like a pure accident. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is, and it's it's like okay, you just stumbled upon this villain who's caring for this little Inuit boy um, and his two bears and his dying wife, um, and and maybe he could have taken that that submarine and. I think it would have been neat to just like see that parked in the harbor of Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> just like like just out of nowhere and like maybe have more of like a um a build up to the Mr. Freeze uh reveal where um you know there's this confusion about it but that's all uh just conjecture mm-hmm. and uh not necessarily a critique of the movie but there was some jumping around that I had to like kind of fill in the blanks. This could which, have, but I mean, I also think this might have been constrained to like an hour movie time. It's, yeah. it's a TV and, movie, and if, if I recall correctly. No, it was direct to video, actually. So this was I'm oh, reading really? up on on this a little bit. This was a direct to video movie that was originally supposed to be a tie in 
to the Batman and Robin movie. Yes, but that and then they delayed it because, because Batman it was so bad, and Robin yeah. sucked balls. I do remember that bit of it. Um, Rough. I guess I just saw it on TV the first time I saw it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it would have made it's a little long for a two-parter because two-parters usually run about forty to fifty minutes. Yeah. Um, if you're going to yeah. air it on TV, you, there's probably an even shortened version that you could probably cut to well, TV length. It's it's um, not unheard of. Yeah. Um, the Cartoon Network used to do it fairly frequently. Um, they'd run Mask of the Phantasm and um, the Superman movie that came out in 2006, the animated one, Brainiac Attacks or something like that, that aired on mm-hmm. television. Um yeah, so the interesting, the a common criticism of movies based on shows like this is that they just feel like longer episodes. But for Batman the Animated Series, where the whole uh, ethos was we make movies, the our episodes are are you know self-contained little mini movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. It kind of works in reverse almost. Like this is just an appropriate length episode. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, again, no. I think I agree with Jake that this could have benefited even from a little more development. Oh, I would have loved another 25 minutes. Yeah. I think yeah, it would have been it would have been um I think helpful to the movie, but um I don't think that necessarily detracts from the whole of the movie. Um I I think there's a little bit of like I think some i give some relief to the movie for maybe the constraints that were put on it like ahead of mm-hmm. time an hour and six minutes seems like a really weird constraint if that's what they were limited to then i so would be say it. they were probably um, because, more limited by the budget because there's a lot of yeah. really slick animation in this especially for the time that's what th- I saw a good amount of like 3D style animation, right. and it, it it did seem like they were trying to like convey like this is what we can. I think do they just kind of ran given, out of like, money to yeah. make the movie longer. Yeah. You know, honestly, this yeah. goes so this goes with my theory that Warner's is always like this is my head. I think it's more headcanon than theory, honestly. But my headcanon that Warner's is like this super practical studio that don't that uses every project as like development for their next project. This coming out in 1998 makes me think that they use this as like a pilot, one of the pilots for the CG. Like we're gonna put just sure. a buttload of CG in this, and if when it works, when it works, we're gonna take what works and we're gonna adapt it into New Batman Adventures, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, yeah. what have you. Because they did use C, right? I'm, I'm, am I wrong? The that they intro to to Justice League was CG. In 3D. Okay. Um, I mean, I feel like they use it for some of the vehicles. Maybe I'm just imagining things. It's possible. I'd have to go back and and watch, and I will take any excuse to go back and watch Justice League and <laughs> Justice League Unlimited. Um, but um, I mean, I'm sure they used it a little bit, but I, I think a lot of it was was hand drawn mm-hmm. and very beautifully so uh the one yeah. scene i was referring to earlier is when uh mr freeze shows up to uh kidnap barbara gordon which there there were 18 matches on that list yet they choose the police commissioner's daughter to yeah, go after they just, they, they just go for it 
It's like that's maybe a that's a bold move, my friend. Well, they looked it up by blood type, yeah. right? They, yeah, they just and condensed it by blood type, and they needed a female of. Well, they well even after they narrowed the search criteria, it said eighteen results right. found. They had to do a, yeah. and they I like that they did a simplified version of an organ donor match because you know obviously organ donor matching is super fucking complicated, um, but at least they did like. You know, for for a general audience, they'd it, be like, "All right, someone who's about the same height." We must weight, remember that this gender, is a movie for kids. For, at the end of the, the day, kids. so they had to kind of simplify. Uh, yeah, so they use those criteria. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah, that that was a bold move on the villain's part to to pick the the fucking daughter of the police commissioner. Um, I you know obviously nothing comes of this but i i had the thought in the back of my head after this like man that's a lot of high profile action for this this civilian i hope no one looks into her and and investigate well i i feel like people would have been more like who's this dick grayson kid (laughs) like he fucking is jumping a motorcycle across a crash police car uh but the the scene where Mr. Freeze shows up to kidnap Barbara Gordon. Uh, of course, the jazz club where they're playing the the rip off of Sing Sing Sing. Yeah, um, of course, uh, Dick Grayson's gonna gonna do his superhero thing and, and try to apprehend the villain, and he succeeds largely. Like, were it not for the polar bears, um, <laughs> there's a mm-hmm. scene where Dick like takes Mr. Freeze down and he has like myrrh in his fucking eyes. He's about to murk this dude before the polar bear comes in and just like the expression they animated on his face. I was like, whoa, take it easy. It's a lot. <laughs> Dick Grayson has some, he has some gems in this um, where fucking they go back to, so they go to the scene of the abduction, the the doctor's abduction where Mr. Freeze froze the car to flip it and then it melted over time. And well, it kind of happenstance the... into that, right? Like Alfred just right. drives well, into the, Alfred and Batman, but they yeah. go back to the scene. I think maybe it's maybe it's an Alfred line, but I don't know. Either way, someone looks at it and they're like they're investigating. They pick it up. They pick up a handful of the water, and they go and like Batman goes water, and then whoever's with him, I think it's I swear it's Dick Grayson. He looks over. He's like as if he's connecting the dots. He's like melted ice, <laughs> and I'm like. Good job, Dick. That's, such that's like, a fucking that's such like big an, bra- galaxy brain dick over here. That's such like an OG Adam West. Oh my line. god, there's so, like if you are yeah. ever in the mood for some some great like conclusion jumping from very little evidence, watch the Batman movie from 1960. Whenever. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> someone's that's like that compares to the Black Dynamite scene in terms of like train of the fucking train of thought like fucking the clue had something to do with russian from the riddler and like burt ward as robbins like if someone is russian they might slip on a banana peel and like crack their neck or something and that was like the the lead into the next part of the <laughs> world's greatest detective i don't know what else to tell you yeah um Kevin Conroy does put in a great performance in this. Um, Kevin Conroy you know, some... innovated the um, use of two different voices for Batman and Bruce Wayne. 
Um, yep. And it's it's kind of neat in in here because you you see there are a couple instances where he's out as Bruce Wayne, but when he's doing his you know investigating, he's using the Batman voice, which I I think is pretty neat. And just in in general, uh, this is a short movie. You know, Freeze kidnaps Barbara. Barbara is obviously very capable, so he makes things rough on on them for their their plot and their scheme. Batman and Robin do detective work. They show up on the oil rig. They thwart the plan. Uh, have a very exciting action sequence. And I will note, I that's a, another nice little thing about this. Obviously, Batman goes back to save both of them, yes. both Freeze and I, Nora, because he wants to bring was, them to justice, not have to kill them. That was the awesome, but that that was like what what this is like. This is a Batman movie. This is like the typical, the classic Batman that. And makes this was a every Batman great, movie great. So Batman the animated series really revitalized Mister Freeze as a character, like. Before that episode, um, Mr. Freeze was basically the Arnold Schwarzenegger version of Mr. Freeze. Um, They they incorporated the Nora stuff into his character for the movie, (laughs) but he was basically just a walking gimmick. But they gave him a very, uh, you know, sympathetic and tragic origin. Mm -hmm. And this movie does a, I feel, very wonderful job of. Uh, wrapping that storyline up because Mr. Freeze he survives his polar bears take him back to the Arctic and um, he he hears the news that Nora's been cured and that's that's all he's ever wanted and he's happy and he he just he walks off into the sunset with his yep. I really hope it's not the Arctic so, I think it's just I hope it's just like a northern area of Gotham, the U.S. <laughs> it's still Cause, in Gotham because <laughs> it's just it was just snowy. Because it's like, okay, I don't know, I don't know if I can buy you swimming all the way up the Arctic. I love his little but ice yeah, cast. That was, yeah, um, yeah, ice I cast. Will, like, all the details. That's really yeah. great. So, uh, I will note about the ending. Um, this is different from the original uh, write-up of the movie. So they didn't realize until after the. Um, after Batman and Robin dropped that they had it so that Nora was saved. Uh, Cause originally I guess this was, they were thrown around the idea of adapting white Christmas. And I guess that would have needed Nora to die or have been dead. Right. Well, I am glad they, they went the way that they did. Cause I feel that was, was great closure for, for the Mr. Freeze character arc. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was I was just reflecting on some of the the more iconic uh, Kevin Conroy moments throughout the DC animated universe, and and some of the ones I I really enjoy. Uh, there's a particular episode where I don't remember the villain, but they implant like some device in uh, Bruce's head. I'm sorry, no, that's a Batman Beyond line actually. Um, right where. Uh, you know, they, they keep calling him Bruce. It's like, how'd you know that it was the guy? That's not what I call myself. <laughs> yeah. He calls himself Batman. And, of course, uh, if you want to go out to Justice League, there are some really good uh, Kevin Conroy performances in there. Uh, epilogue. Uh, that's that's mm-hmm. a sad one. Um, 
but it's yep. really good. There's also the one, I forget the name of the episode, but it's where Cersei turns Wonder Woman into a pig and uh, yes. Batman and I want to say Green Arrow have to go and uh, sort that out. Sounds right. And there's there's the scene where he, he sings the blues at the end and it's, it's a very nice, nice little scene. Um, there are too many great Batman the Animated Series episodes, and that's that's what makes it so special. A list out is that he was in, he was just so much, so much of him was in that character. Yeah, it really when when Peter broke the news in our group text, like I did in the middle of the day because I didn't like. It was either I told you guys or you would have just seen it. It it fucking hurt. Like there there have been a lot of celebrity deaths in our time doing the show and some have hit pretty hard. Like Jerry Stiller uh, a couple years ago that was that was a rough one. But this one it it honestly felt like someone told me that Batman himself died. And it it's it it fucking sucks, man. This is a big part of my childhood and my early adulthood and my later adulthood. <laughs> <laughs> um just got like through the years from Batman the animated series up through Arkham Knight, man, like that's the voice of Batman. And yep. and nothing no one's ever gonna be able to to re- replicate it. If there's one if there's one uh, silver lining to all of this, and in the context of uh, we t- we talk about a lot of media personalities on this show, um, I will stay fucking you know that's the thing I'm going to be thankful for this Thanksgiving is that uh, although he left although he left us his legacy is just remained all the way intact yeah. like no fucking blemishes. Right, he's there's a lot of celebrities who die, and you're like, oh man, they did some good stuff, but also, like, man, they were a bummer. From everything I know, like right now, no one really speaks ill of the dead, so you're not going to hear anything bad about him. But even when he was alive, like anytime you look up Kevin Conroy, what anyone had to say about him, you know, all the work he did for charity, um. All, and genuinely, the, the work he did for the fans, yeah, even all the way up to the to the you know bitter end, the end there. like genuinely awesome dude, and you know uh, the He's comic got a legacy book, that anyone would be proud of. Yeah, the comic book community lost a uh, a beloved voice actor, but the world lost a great human being, and. It sucks. 66 is too young. Cancer sucks. Um, but uh, he, he left behind a wonderful body of work that generations uh, beyond us will be able to enjoy. And I think that's, yeah. that's a legacy that he's, he's almost certainly proud of. Yeah. Truly, I think some of the best, the best Batman works um, can come from uh, his voice acting. I I would agree. He he is he's Batman, and he he will be missed. 
Yeah, and I don't know if it's confirmed or not, but I, I would like to think that he picked and chose his projects which he wanted to work on. I would assume and, so. You know, you know, if he if he wanted to work on some of those, that he picked the ones that he felt were doing the most justice to the and character. He, and you know, like and, Mark Hamill famously has retired from being the Joker like two or three times, and every time Kevin Conroy was able to talk him back into to one last run. So he, he cares yeah. deeply about, you know, making sure the best product gets put forward. And he is just an awesome, awesome guy. And Well, I think some of the most iconic roles have been done by him. Uh, some of the most iconic. Some, yeah. Yep. I mean, so it's awesome to see lines, that. lines that will, will stay with you for, for a long time. Um, that's going to be a wrap on episode 241. We'll be back next week with Wakanda Forever, which is another movie in the shadow of the death of a uh, beloved actor. So that's... Mm-hmm. We're keeping the pain train rolling in that that regard. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll persevere, and um, we hope to see you all next week. And until that time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.